You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning we get to hear from the Reverend Dr. Carolyn Moore. Dr. Moore has been a frequent chapel speaker over the years. Uh, Pastor Carolyn Moore has been an ordained pastor for 25 years. She's the founding and lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Evans, Georgia. She's the author of several Bible studies and two books, and she and her son-in-law co-host a podcast called The Art of Holiness. I'm going to have to check that out. What gets her up in the morning is thinking about and praying about spirit-filled Methodism, missional communities, and what it takes to help women thrive in ministry leadership. She loves talking about Jesus. He is enough. So her sermon topic is freedom from and freedom to. It's part of our heart holiness chapel frame, which means being filled up with the sanctifying and saving power of Jesus so there's no room for sin. So I hope that you'll turn your hearts and open up your ears and may the Holy Spirit help us listen to what Pastor Carolyn Moore has to say this morning. Welcome, Carolyn. I love being with you guys. I love being here. It's probably my third or fourth time being here, so really not frequent enough by my standards. I love being with you guys. Um, And I'm really excited to just be able to talk to you a little bit about something that kind of got up in me in the last few months um, about freedom. And so can we say this together? Say this together. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, now say it like you mean it. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Oh, that's good. So according to my husband, who, let me begin with this, my best friend, my partner in the gospel, a man I deeply respect and trust completely, except maybe when it comes to this story. According to Steve, this, what we just said, is the goal we're after when we make decisions about where to eat when we're eating out. Maybe you deal with this with your group or your people. Um, I, don't, I don't notice it happening this way, but according to my husband, Steve, The way that decision, eating out, happens is, first, this is him, of course, saying this, Steve names about half a dozen restaurants while he watches my facial expression to see if any of them speak anything other than sheer disgust. So, you know, how about Indian? Oh, how about Moe's? No. How about, uh, how about Panera? Oh, how about, nah. No, thanks. No, no. And according to Steve, after he names every restaurant we've ever been to and like, then he says, what suggestions do you have, my dearest soulmate, without whose wisdom I could not exist? (laughs) And then I'll sit for a while thinking, because nothing sounds good at first, but eventually I'll say, now remember this is according to him, perceptions may vary, Eventually, I'll make a suggestion, and whatever I say, he says, let's say this together. Sounds great. Let's go. Yeah. The problem with our system is that naming every place we don't want to go doesn't get us any closer to where we do want to go. 
Or maybe it's this, that eliminating some options is only half the equation. The other half is choosing from among what's left. So that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this week. I want to talk about the importance of both halves of the freedom equation. We'll take up the freedom from side of the equation this morning and then again tonight. Tomorrow evening, we're going to talk about how this happens, that we even have a choice at all. And on Wednesday, we're going to talk about freedom too. On Wednesday night, I don't even really know what we're going to do because I have freedom to choose. But I think we're just going to practice some freedom things. So, freedom from, freedom to. Why do we even need to talk about this? You get it, even if you don't realize you get it. Think about starting a new year, which we all just did. Maybe we decide we're going to let something go or take something out. Maybe we decide we're going to eat or exercise, eat better, exercise, whatever, you know, whatever it is we think we ought to be doing but we're not doing. And that's great, but we already packed 24 hours. So if we don't let something go when we take something up, that choice isn't going to have as much staying power. Or, this is good, we're going to let go of some bad habits, things that weren't working for us, which is great, but letting go of something is just half the equation. There's also the issue of what we replace it with, and if we don't have a, of a plan for the healthy thing we're going to do instead, that choice is not going to have much staying power. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, it's just not likely, and that is a statistical reality. Aristotle never said this, but it's true. Nature abhors a vacuum. What he actually did say is that vacuums are impossible, which is not exactly true. But it's very true that, that humans have an innate fear of the void. So we'll fill a gap really fast, and that's why most New Year's resolutions don't work. When we let stuff go or add stuff in, we don't pay enough attention to the other half of the equation. Does this make sense to you guys? Say out loud, yes, yes, it makes sense, Carolyn. Thank you. So what do you want freedom from? And what do you want freedom to? And what needs to change in your life so that your freedom from decision is met by a freedom to choice? That's what I want to talk about this week. And so now I want you to hold that thought because I want to tell you a little piece of my story. And if you've been here a while, you've heard it before, but the story I got is the only story I got. So um, I was thinking about this part of my story not, not long ago because I was sitting at a cafe in my hometown, um, a cafe creatively called The Cafe, um, right across the street from uh, this, this coffee shop was this restaurant and this bar that I used to go to. Um, I was a regular there when I was in college. And I liked that place because they had the best uh, jazz in town. I was a big jazz fan. They had the best jazz in town. And also because they believed my fake ID. So I had my first beer at the cafe when I was 17. It was a Sunday night after youth group. Let me say that again so you can hear it. We left MYF, Methodist Youth Fellowship, and went to a bar. Yes. Makes me so sad to remember that. But that's how I had my first drink. And thinking back on it, I am stunned by how seductive that one drink was. I didn't even like the taste of it. 
But pretty much from that moment on, my life was no longer defined by the youth group I just attended, but by the alcohol that seduced and consumed me. That is the crazy thing about a bad habit. You think you're consuming it while it is consuming you. I need an amen up in the room from a few people who get this. Yeah. And pro tip, that's exactly why you can't just let go of a bad habit. You have to replace it or it will keep popping up because it's always going to be hungry for your soul. So for the next 13 years, my social choices, my friendships, my ethics, my mental, spiritual, and physical health, it was all defined, all centered around my next drink. And that is no exaggeration. And then, 13 years and a thousand bad decisions later, but not more than two miles from that little cafe, I was driving down the road in my hometown when I heard the voice of God literally inviting me to quit, as in quit drinking. It was an invitation to step out of the lie I'd been living and into the person God could see in me because God had already called me. 17 years prior to that moment, at that road where I heard the voice of God, I had heard the call to preach, but I'd chosen not to follow it. So this thing I do with my husband and restaurants, I was already doing that with God. He laid a call on my life, and my response was, nah, no. No thanks. How arrogant is that? So, in the absence of another option, the cheapest, easiest, most numbing option filled the void. And that option stole more than a decade of my life because, listen, I'd said no to something without saying yes to anything else. What I didn't know was that when it comes to spiritual things, nature abhors a vacuum. So saying no to one choice is only half the equation. If you're taking notes, you should write that down. And if you're not taking notes, you should be taking notes so you can write that down. Saying no to one choice is only half the equation. It's why most diets don't work, because too many diets are focused on taking calories away, but not on the life we're living and the feelings we're using those calories to avoid, which makes those calories taste so good. Nature abhors a vacuum. Something will fill the void. This is how it works in real life, and this is how it works in our spiritual lives, which is realer life. Why? Because the enemy of our souls is lazy. He is not a creator. He's an imitator and an opportunist, which means that rather than going to all the trouble of creating a whole new valid and valuable life for us, the enemy of your soul and mine will find the cheapest, easiest way to get us just a little off course. He doesn't even need us to jump off the deep end. He just needs us to lose a little focus, to get a little distracted, a little more interested in something that will take our eyes off the plans and purposes of God. The enemy of our souls doesn't need to hear us say, sounds great, let's go. Actually, he'd rather keep us discontent. So he loves an empty space, a weakness, which meant for someone like me with a family history of alcoholism, that work for the enemy was a no-brainer. I mean, literally, it took no brains or faith or common sense 
to jump headlong into a numbing habit. Insert the name of your numbing habit here. That would derail my life for years. It was not until I got just desperate enough, just tired enough of the emptiness, to be able to hear that other voice. And that voice came a couple of times in a couple of different ways, and both of them were freedom. The first one was a freedom from invitation, a call to let go of what had overtaken my life like kudzu on an old barn. That voice said, you've got a choice to make. It's a choice between alcohol and Jesus because for me, maybe not for everyone, but for me, with my family history and my tendencies and my brokenness and my desire to numb my uncomfortable feelings, alcohol, again, I want you to insert your numbing habit here. This is not an old person coming and telling a bunch of college students, you shouldn't be drinking. That's not what this is. I'm saying that that was my thing. You've got one. What is it? But for me, it was alcohol, and it stood like a brick wall between me and Jesus. So the voice said to me, you're making a choice between alcohol and Jesus. Which will it be? And then he said, if you choose alcohol, I cannot promise where it will take you. And even as I heard that voice say that, I could see this dark road sort of stretching out before me. I could tell that a voice, a choice against Jesus would be a rough ride and it would end in a dark place. I mean, for me, it already had taking me down dark roads I never knew existed before I got involved. So I chose Jesus. And it wasn't until, it wasn't long after that, not long at all after that, that I heard the voice again. And this time it was a freedom to invitation. It was an invitation to step into a life I could never have dreamed for myself, could never have imagined. And that invitation was the second half of the equation. So what I'm saying is that I would not be here today if I'd chosen not to accept freedom from the things that kept me from a freedom to life. Does that make sense? ACNA Bishop Todd Hunter asked this question. You should write it down. What if questions of purpose are of more value and precede questions of freedom? Powerful question. Let me ask it again. What if questions of purpose are of more value and precede questions of freedom? I love this idea. He's basically saying, figure out what God is after, what God wants, what God made you for, what God has purposed, and then be as free as you want in pursuing those things. That's definitely been my experience. So here's why I'm telling you all of this. It's so we can hear this truth, that life in Christ is not just freedom from don't drink, don't chew, and don't dance with the girls who do. I'll give you a minute to laugh at that, because that's just funny, y'all, okay? <laughs> it's also freedom to. It's not just freedom from, it's freedom to. And that is both great news and a serious caution. Because, that, and, and that, that's exactly the point Jesus was trying to make. When the, the, he said all of this to his friends. Everything I just said, 
basically in principle. He said to his friends the day he was talking in the context of a conversation about the enemy of their souls and the promises of the Old Testament that were waiting to be filled. So if you have your Bible with you, and I bet you do, look with me at Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 43. It's Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. I say this at home to my people all the time. The best way to engage a message is with the Bible and something to write with. So get something to take notes on. And I want to look with you together at just three verses. These three verses are surrounded by big messages. I mean, this is how we kind of get into these three verses. First, Jesus is Lord over everything. Second, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of his enemy cannot both win. And third, the freedom from promises heard by the people of the Old Testament were only completed, listen, were only completed in the coming of Jesus who is ultimately a freedom to Messiah. Let me say that again. Jesus is ultimately a freedom to Messiah. His purpose in your life is not to suck all the fun out of it. He's actually trying, he said so himself, to come that your joy might be full. He said, I came that my joy might be in you, that your joy might be full. What could be better than that? So all those messages are in Matthew chapter 12. And then in verse 43, Jesus brings it all together in this very stark little story about the behavior of demons. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid or dry or desert or empty places seeking rest and it does not find it. So the implication here, just in this first verse, is that getting a spirit out of a person is not the hard part. Keeping him out is the hard part. A spirit that isn't attached to a person is a restless spirit, like a flea on a dog. It's going to look for something, somebody to suck blood from. And then it says, verse 44, the, the, the spirit says, I will return to the house I left. And the house is us. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. And then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in, and they live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That's how it will be with this wicked generation. So do you hear the moral in this story? It's what we've been saying. Saying no to your demons is only half the equation. Yes, we need freedom from fear, freedom from spiritual laziness, personal sin, anger, pessimism, or fill in the blank with your numbing habit. You know what has you spiritually sick, but we do the greatest disservice to Christianity when we make it only a list of things we have to stop doing in order to stay out of hell. Friends, getting set free is only half the equation. And without the other half, the freedom to half, that unfinished work can be spiritually dangerous. At the very least, we're missing the best part. Freedom from is not the whole gospel. Thanks be to God. Do you remember Todd Hunter's question? What if questions of purpose are of more value and precede questions of freedom, which is another way of asking not 
what am I against, but what am I about? What is my why? What is God sending me toward? What is his preferred future? I mean, listen, friends, we are talking about the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe has a lot more options about your life than you could think of. And so when you're in, the, in a conversation with the creator of the universe, you are not the most intelligent person in the room. Isn't that great? You got somebody smarter than you who actually designs you, knows how you're made, who wants to tell you how to get from your freedom from life, trying to knock off everything that the fall tried to push in, to your freedom to life, which is joy and peace and patience and goodness and love. Just imagine what God can do. Paul tells us it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, which means we are now free to imagine God's best. So let me give you some very practical ways to begin exploring a freedom to life. Number one, begin where Jesus tells us to begin, by calling out the impure spirits that have taken up residence in your house. Call them out. Just call them out. Call out those demons that you see at work in your life and in our world. Watchman Nee says, if you want to advance the will of God, you must deal with all the hindrances. So what are the demons that have you? Stubbornness, jealousy, lust, pride, holding on to anger, addiction, fear, rationalizing, thinking you know better. That's one of mine. Who else in here thinks they know better? Who else? Some of you are raising your hand on behalf of the person sitting next to you because you think they think they know better, but they really don't. What are your demons? Second, pray against the spirit of rebellion. I'm going to tell you, pray specifically against the spirit of rebellion. That friend is a spirit of, is, is a friend, uh, sorry, that Spirit is a friend of any other spirit you're entertaining. It always finds its way to the party when other demons are around. The spirit of rebellion feeds off the deep-seated sin of pride. I want what I want when I want it. It's an addict's worst demon. And our selfishness in times of survival will often expose our addictions to comfort and control. If God is invited to lay some things down on the way to following him around this bend, that's something we have to take seriously. So if you're sensing God's nudge towards something new, consider not pushing against that thought, rebelling against it, but just go with it. Go with it. If, if you hate the idea and you decide not to, nobody dies. But look, if you go with it, you may find out there's actually a path toward freedom in that thought that comes into your head as if it is not your own thought. That is one way you sort of know it's God when a thought comes in that's smarter than you could have thought yourself. This is the secret. Uh, Charles Dubois says this, to be able at any moment to sacrifice what we are for what we can become. Third, Pray that God's will takes precedence over your will. Pray that God's will takes precedence over your will. Can God reveal his will to someone like you? Yeah, the answer is absolutely yes. 
Our Father's love is fierce. He makes, he asks no more of us than he's willing to give himself. God laid down his only son. Jesus willingly laid down his life for the sake of something greater. And in the exchange, he conquered death and sin and blasted open the doors of eternity for all God's children so he could reveal his will to you. All of that so he could reveal his will to you. So yes, he can reveal his will to you. And he wants to. The scripture tells us he's always more willing to speak than we are to listen. So why don't you just sit up in front of him and just ask, God, what do I need freedom from? Go ahead and tell me. And how do I get freedom to live headlong into your values? And the last thing, don't worship the problem. Pray the provision. This is about putting the emphasis not on the demons sitting on your couch eating Doritos and trashing your house, but on the God who has power to kick them out. So pray the provision. Whatever is in heaven, pray that down on earth. What is the, what is the best, most spirit-driven solution you could hope for? Pray it. Pray that. Discipline your prayers toward a freedom to mindset. Instead of whining your prayers, pray power and provision over your circumstances. And that, friends, that is your invitation this morning. That's your invitation. And your answer is, sounds great. Let's go. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Come on. Come on. Sounds great. Let's go. Let's live into the freedom God has given us. What if you chose to believe that God's next audacious suggestion is doable? And rather than listening to the enemy's excuses and fears, you step into God's prophetic future and say to the God of your salvation, sounds great, let's go. Doesn't that sound so much better than the alternative? So much better. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray together. Our team can come. There they are. We're going to pray together. And then I'm just going to open this place up for any of you who are ready to get on your knees and ask for the, for the freedom to life. If you're ready to ask for freedom from your numbing habit, or you're ready to ask for freedom to live headlong into God's values for your life. If the winter months have numbed your imagination and you just need to, Lord, I feel like it's all kind of a dead end for me right now, and I am ready to get your imagination for my life again, those are things you can pray. So Lord Jesus, I pray over my people my brothers and sisters at Asbury University, I ask in Jesus' name that you pour out your Holy Spirit and all the imagination of heaven that comes with him. Pour out, God. Pour out. Fill us with kingdom vision. Fill us with kingdom imagination. Fill us with kingdom power. Fill us, God, with, 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 a, with a spirit of freedom. Your word.
Word says when Christ sets us free, we are free indeed. How is it, God, that we have so misused this faith that we've made it just a list of things we needed to, to stop doing? Oh, Jesus, forgive us for that. Give us a freedom to life and a freedom to mind and a freedom to courage. God, if you would do that, we would be so grateful. We love, honor, and worship you, Jesus. You have this moment. Just walk in freedom. If you want to come down here and just get with the Lord, you are welcome to do so.